welcome to Concert Pipeline. That's Ian Schiphol. That is Steve Jones. And today on the program, we have a lot of catching up to do. Uh, we, do we definitely do. We also have a big uh, interview uh, with a band called Beautiful Machines. And this is one that re you know, really rejuvenates the reason why I keep doing this podcast is for bands like this, because I had the chance to interview Conrad and Stephanie uh, from Beautiful Machines. And just a little bit of context, uh, they're from San Francisco, uh, but they, uh, they've um, migrated to England. Um, oh, that's, that's kind of far, you know? They didn't try to, they didn't try Nevada first, they just like, boom. <laughs> Way over pretty to England? Much, pretty much. So sure, I'm sorry, but they took their keys to their uh, you know, apartment or whatever in San Francisco, threw them in the garbage at, the, at SFO, and, uh, and never looked back, you know? Wow. So, yeah. So that, another interview across the pond that, uh, that we have here. So it's pretty, pretty exciting, right? That's exciting. Way to go. Way to go. And that reminds me of uh, uh, part of this. Um, I'm going to share a story. Uh, with you and everyone today, and that reminds me of something that occurred um, on my adventure. So, oh, okay, yeah. So I'm ready to hear about your adventure. Uh, you may notice my background is different. I am currently in San Diego on an adventure myself. We don't have time for my adventure, though. I mean, because there's so much from yours, and you sent me a ton of pictures. Um, I should start flashing them on the screen, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I've been spending a lot of time trying to, you know, organize all the pictures and, you know, get rid of duplicates and share them with, you know, share photos that other people have taken, you know, uh, regarding the, the trip. But it's, oh my God, it ends up being this big convoluted mess. But I will eventually have a collection of just great photos and videos and, and stuff to share with you. So uh, there's a lot more to show. But what I really, before I get started, what I really want to know, Steve, is just a little bit about your trip. I want to know all about that awesome tree behind you. And is that just, a, is that like the, you know, is that the tree of, of San Diego or? Uh, this is, yes, you? this is the native tree, tree of the town. So this is um, a fake tree, yes, uh, <laughs> in, in, in a pot. In a pot. Uh, oh, nice. Did you, did you bring that with you or was that part of yeah, the I travel, establishment? I travel with tree. Yes, I travel with tree. Uh, <laughs> nice. Yeah. So, yeah, the kids and I took a, uh, I'll give you a little background, but uh, the kids and I took a road trip to uh, LA for two nights and then to San Diego for five nights. I'm taking a full, you know, week off of work and, uh, and stepping away and just not even thinking about it and just relaxing as much as I can. Um, yeah. You know, so. Well, well, that's that's huge for you. You know, I mean, we all know you're a major workaholic, no matter what your focus is on, you know, whether it's actual work or projects or whatever. Um, I guess it's, it's rare for you to get away for a whole week. I don't even remember the last time you did that. I mean, it was a year and a half ago uh, and it was to uh, the Grand Canyon in Vegas and all oh, that. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, eons yeah. ago it feels like eons ago yeah. right uh, yeah yeah so it's it's been a bit but but i want to hear about your trip you you uh, hopped on two wheels and traveled even farther than i did you know much farther than i did i'd say uh and uh which you know i did a number of pods while you were gone uh a lot you know was covered we talked about but you know butterfly museum that show uh, nice. I talked to, talk to myself about it, really, and uh, <laughs> and Taylor Hawkins from the Foo Fighters drumming, you know. Yeah. And, I mean, dying, yeah. Uh, which sad. is really sad. Yeah. So there's been yeah. a yeah. lot, a lot of you know stuff going on, but it's great to have you back, and I'm 
interested in your story. What do you got cooking? Good, good to be back. So, um, so I've got a friend, a motorcycle friend. His name is Tito. And um, uh, almost a year ago, he decided to buy a new motorcycle. And it was huge drama. His wife freaked out. And um, he, uh, that, the fact that he did that uh, just really encouraged me to do the same thing. Um, so then I bought a similar bike. And ever since then, we've been talking about different adventures that we might be able to have with them. Um, so we decided, uh, you know, we went on a couple of rides together. Um, we took a, a trip down to LA and back, um, just sort of as an endurance ride to see if we could do something like that, um, in a full day and then, you know, do it overnight, uh, for a night or two in LA and just, you know, book back in one day. And we were just curious to see how our bodies would respond, if we were going to be really sore or if it was something we just, you know, couldn't do, <laughs> but we had an awesome time on a little endurance LA ride. And we decided right then and there. Let's go forward with our plans to uh, do a trip from San Francisco all the way down Baja, California to Cabo San Lucas and back in two weeks. It's almost exactly 1,500 miles one way. Wow. That's 3,000 miles one trip. That's almost the exact same distance from here across the country. West coast to east coast, like like Seattle to Boston, I think is one I-90 wow. freeway or something. I think that's what it is, 3,000 miles. So it it was insane, dude. It was crazy. We did anywhere from 150 miles to 420 or something in one day. Wow. And uh, uh, we had three nights, three rest nights, or three rest days in Cabo San Lucas, uh, which was about four nights so we got there in the evening had three days to relax and then uh, left really early the next morning and um, our wives joined us uh, for that leg of the trip so um, it was kind of so a destination I, vacation for them i was curious about that because i you, one of the videos you sent i heard maria laugh in the background i didn't know she was a part of the trip uh so how did how did they get there did they fly in they, they just flew yeah they weren't part of the motorcycle trip they were part of the you know hanging out by the pool um snorkeling uh you know checking the nearby towns out type trip in a yeah. rental car yeah so they didn't they didn't um you know they had no interest in being part of the motorcycle trip uh but we were able to incorporate them in our trip beautifully um you know by meeting them at our at our destination basically which we knew they would love maria's been there before i don't know if Tito's wife has been there before but um they had a great time. They brought the kids. The kids had a great time. So it was fantastic. And it and uh, there are so many stories to tell about the actual motorcycle trip part of it. I don't even know where to start. Um, uh, I wasn't 100% sure if I was going to be able to get into Mexico. I, I had a, a problem with my um, a problem with uh, uh, obtaining a tourist visa, uh, which you have to have uh, if you're going to stay in Mexico for longer than about seven days, I believe it is. Uh, um, it's the same sort of thing that you fill out on the airplane when you go. But if you cross the border uh, by car or by motorcycle, if you just walk across, if you're going to be there for more than seven days, you have to have one of these things. And you can't get one online if your passport expires uh, within a certain time period. So my yeah. passport expires in July and the tourist visa is good for 180 days. So your U.S passport has to expire beyond 180 days 
So when I was trying to, it's just, it's a total clusterfuck. So I was trying to, um, you know, get this uh, filled out online and Tito was able to do his no problem because he didn't have that expiration date issue. And I just, I, the website would not let me do it. I was trying to make a, like a last minute appointment at the passport office in San Francisco, but uh, there were zero appointments available. I must've called them 20 times uh, over the course of a week. And I just gave up. I said, you know what? I'm just going to go to the border. I'm not going to worry about it. And um, hopefully they'll just let me in on a, on a tourist visa that, that is just for two weeks. Cause that's all that I need. So long story short, we, book our asses down from San Francisco to LA, hang out with some friends. We go to LA to the border and we didn't go to, we didn't go through uh, Tijuana. That place is just a nightmare. Um, <laughs> when it comes to getting from the border, we decided to go through Tecate. Tecate, the same Tecate where they, the place where they brew the beer. Tecate. Oh, yeah. yeah, got it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, didn't know Tecate was a town, didn't know uh, the beer got their name from the town, but that's what it is. Uh, <laughs> Have Tecate and Tecate. Yeah, right. So uh, beautiful, windy, fun road from uh, San Diego to the border. And you would never think there was a border there. It's just, it's just this little fun, windy road. And all of a sudden, boom, you know, there's a Mexican flag and, and this border thing with the gate and you go. Um, this camera takes your picture of, the, of your license plate, this little, you know, gate thing goes up and you can drive through. Uh -huh. There's no one there to check your passport. Okay. So There's that's no a... one there to see if you have a tourist visa. There's no one there to see if you have the mandatory motorcycle, Mexican motorcycle insurance you have to have. The only people that were there were, um, was the, the I think they were military, but they were for agricultural inspection, and they just okay. waved us on. They didn't even want us to stop. No, just keep going, keep it going. And I'm like, oh, I was worried. I was so worried about all of this for nothing. Yeah. <laughs> but then I read that um, you know there are a lot of military stops uh, in in Mexico as you make your way down uh, all the way to the southern tip and then back up. And uh, at any time, they might ask you for your paperwork. So, you know, I, we stopped anyway, and Tito got his tourist visa stamped, and then I paid, I don't know how much for mine, and it was no big deal, really simple process, but it certainly didn't seem like it was a requirement. Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't like, yeah, it wasn't like my experience ever trying to enter a, another country. Um, so that was that, no big deal. Um, but I tell you, Steve, as soon as we crossed that border, I mean, the town, the town is right there. It's not like a road you go down and then there's Tecate. The, the town is right along the wall. Yeah. And uh, I had forgotten how stinky Mexico can be. <laughs> I mean, there, I don't think there's any emissions control. There's, there's smoke coming out of the tailpipes of cars. Um, I'm sure you get the full experience on a motorcycle, right? So <laughs> Yes, and, and the, one of the reasons I'm saying this is on a motorcycle, you have to breathe all of this stuff in. And it was hot. I mean, it must've been in the nineties, right? Uh, so here we're all with helmets on our jackets and we're coughing because all the fumes and no one knows how to drive and everyone's going very slow. And it seems like every five feet is a stop sign or a stop light. So it takes forever to get anywhere. Uh, it was a weekend. So there were lots of tourists um, 
uh, mostly Mexicans that have, you know, come in to just, you know, hang out. Um, we're trying to go to a bank machine to withdraw money. None of the bank machines are accepting our cards. Oh, no. They're all saying, you know, rejected or go see teller, right? It's a Sunday, there's no teller. And, uh, and my cards aren't working, his cards aren't working. Um, the gas station is only accepting cash. And we're like, we're fucked, we're already fucked. It's our first day, we're only here for an hour and we're already fucked. <laughs> so that was kind of a bad start, but we just decided to screw it and just keep on going. Um, and we just got lucky. We had no other uh, problems um, cash-wise uh, on the first leg of the trip. And on the next pod, I'll talk about you know more legs. But for now, <laughs> for now, uh, we just got lucky with places to eat and 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 and, um, and gas stations and uh, uh, hotels accepting credit cards. Okay. Oh my God, dude. <clears throat> so much. So that was a huge sigh of relief. Once we got into the border, out of Tecate, we got on our wine. The wine, the Mexican wine country started immediately. It's gorgeous. Absolutely yeah. beautiful. Just really hilly and it's totally different than Napa or Sonoma. It's not built up to like, you know, impress a bunch of people. It's just, it's very rustic. Um, <laughs> And uh, there, there, there were just lots of little surprises, things that I'd never really thought of or anticipated. You know, so like here in the United States, we assume that every gas station has gas. It's just, you usually, just assume it, yeah, yeah. Yeah, usually when you go to a gas station, it's not closed or it's not out of gas. Even if the prices um, are up here, six dollars a gallon, they'll have some. Yeah, so, right. You might, you might not, you might not go to a gas station here in the U.S. because maybe the prices are too high. Yeah, or the line is too long if it's an Arco. You know, <laughs> but um, but there were so many unique things that occurred. I mean, we definitely had a problem with gas. Motorcycles don't hold as much gas as cars do. Uh, Tito's bike has a smaller gas tank than mine, so we had a range of about 150 miles. Yeah, and there were times where we felt like we were running on fumes before mm. we got to a gas station that um, that was open and had gas. <laughs> the other thing are the roads. Generally speaking, the only roads that are paved is the main road. There's one. It's like Highway mm. One that goes from the border all the way down to Cabo. Um, there are a couple of exceptions to that, but that road is paved all the way up and down. The roads that go to either side, Not if you want to go to a winery, they're all dirt. Yeah. And almost every single little town that we drove by, all dirt roads. The stop signs are there and everything, um, but all the roads are dirt roads. I, 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 my mind was going back to sort of like, I was trying to conceptualize this, like really understand it because my mind kept on going to old Western films where I was expecting like a horse to like uh -huh. a horse or a carriage or, you know, Oregon trail people, you know, coming down. Yeah. <laughs> and it was just bizarre. Yeah, I mean, it, it was just, it was just something to get used to. And, um, and it also made things extremely dusty, right? Yeah. There was so much less pavement um, and there were still cars driving, you know, up and down these dirt roads that it was just the dust was everywhere in these little towns. Um, oh man. And um, 
And uh, when we reached our first destination, mm -hmm. uh, just outside of Ensenada, uh, we completely by coincidence stayed at the Hotel California. Ah, there you go. Okay. We stayed at the Hotel California. And every time I listened to that song, I never thought the Hotel California might be on the Mexican side of California because that side of California is much bigger. Yeah. It's much, much bigger. And we talked, we talked to some people that, that, that see California as one massive stretch of land. So Northern California is the California that's in the United States. Right. And then okay. Central California is the, on the Mexican first side. part, yeah, of Baja. And then Southern yeah. California, which is called California South, is on the South side. That's one long stretch of California. So yeah, so when people say, oh, I'm going to Southern California, going to LA, they're all wrong. Yeah, all that's still yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you look at it from like a global map perspective. Yeah. So when I listened to the Eagles, you know, when I listened to that song, Hotel California, I really thought, hey, maybe the Hotel California was in, uh, you know, was in, uh, was in Mexico. Um, <clears throat> did some research on the internet. Uh, Somebody said Hotel California isn't really a place, it's a state of mind or it's like a <laughs> mental hospital or something, you know, it's like you can check into the Hotel California, but you can never leave, yeah. meaning that you're always going to be crazy or something, I don't know. Anyway, uh, we had an awesome time at the Hotel California. It's just, uh, the rooms were teeny tiny. I had my big ass JBL Bluetooth speaker with me. Of course, okay. It's not JBL, it's that other company. Anyway, and uh, it is that I brought that huge thing thinking that we were going to rock out every single night, but that was the only time that I ever used it. And we the just played the ones. Eagles. Just from yeah. on the loop, right? Just, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Just rotating, 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 rotating. Um, <laughs> I was working for that, right? So, <laughs> yeah, hilarious, man. Uh, so every morning we had to get up like super early. Um, and it would take us at least three hours to get our butts, you know, finally moving on the bikes. So it's just a huge process to, to pack and put everything back on the bikes and to go and find breakfast somewhere. And breakfast, I mean, this is Mexico time. It's like breakfast takes yeah. at least an hour, an hour and a half. Everything is just really slow, which isn't a bad thing. It's actually really nice. You just have to be used to it. Um, and the people are so crazy friendly. Yeah, so crazy friendly. Like anybody will just come up to you and just start talking to you, and you can easily have a, a conversation with them for an hour. Yeah. So on these trips, I guess it's really important not to have a, a t an itinerary that's based on time. So you just get there when you get there. It's <laughs> a good way to go about vacation, right? Just get there. Right. right. Just go into flow. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, so we didn't have anything. We didn't have any except for the Cabo um, accommodations. Uh, halfway you know through the trip we didn't have anything planned i mean we knew what our route was going to be more or less but we didn't have we didn't know what hotel we were going to stay at we didn't know where we we're going to eat we didn't know where we we're going to have lunch it was all completely spontaneous it was all a lot like it used to be before there before the internet happened you know Did back you when people had maps before people um before there was ever a problem with uh you know, hotels being booked, you know, and feeling screwed, like, oh my God, I can't get a hotel because everything's booked in this town. Like back in the old days, that's how it was. It was just, it was so refreshing. Did, did and you and Tito figure out the headset thing where you were able we to talk did. To you? you did. We okay. did. Because that was a yeah, problem yeah, yeah. last road trip. So it was. Yeah. Thank you for bringing that up because um, we worked out quite a few bugs uh, during our endurance ride from San Francisco to LA and back over that one weekend. 
Um, so we got our we got our headsets nailed down. So we were able to talk to each other, no problem. Uh, the battery life on those things don't last very long. So we learned that we had to charge them, you know, during lunch breaks. Uh, and they charge really quickly. So that wasn't a problem. Like 15 minutes, you know, each headset was fine uh, okay. for charging. And um, um, and I had told uh, I had told Tito that one of the issues that we were going to encounter uh, once we crossed the border was cell service. There wasn't going to be much. Maybe major cities, sure, but uh, you know, I'm 99% of our trip, there wasn't going to be any cell service. Yeah. And so I told him, when you listen to your music, you got to download it. Uh, like download it to your phone yeah. and listen to I it offline, it. make sure it works, right? I don't know if he didn't understand what I was saying, or if he thought he had done that. <laughs> but literally, like right as soon as we left Tecate, his uh his music was like just stuttering you know as the cell service was disintegrating and yeah. then there was just nothing and he was looking at his at spotify he, like he's streaming on spotify right and he's just watching it skip songs and he's like oh my god what's going on my thing doesn't work and uh and then i you know realized he didn't have a spotify subscription when i took a look at it and i'm like dude you didn't download your songs man yeah all right if we're lucky you know tonight when we check into a hotel they'll have wi-fi that doesn't totally suck and maybe we'll download you know 100 songs or something yeah so i didn't think much of it <clears throat> so at the hotel california uh-huh i thought this was going to be an easy job right uh-huh not just sign up free Apple music subscription. He's never done that before. So we had a month here to work with free Apple music subscription, just download a bunch of songs. Couldn't, you know, import his playlists. He had a bunch of really cool playlists on Spotify. I just told him you're just gonna have to recreate, recreate them or just download a bunch of Apple essentials, uh, essential albums or whatever, make it easy. The guy had no more space on his phone for anything. He had, he had, the, he had the smallest, he had the smallest capacity iPhone. Uh-huh. And, uh, and there was like, the last video he took earlier that day pretty much sucked up the remaining megabytes he had. Yeah. So I was like, oh, Jesus Christ. So of course, we know, we took a look at the capacity of his phone. We decided, um, okay, you know what? You've got text messages from years and years and years and years. There's way too much crap in there. Just delete everything that is, uh, you know, that little feature, delete everything that's uh, over a year old. We yeah. flipped that on. Um, showed him his videos, albums, and I just said, delete everything that you don't care about. Um, uh, and, you know, then we'll be at a point where we probably can download, you know, at least hopefully at least a couple dozen albums and we'll still have some, you know, room on it for a few videos here and there. And you can just, you know, airdrop me videos because um, I had lots of space. Oh, dude, it took him like three days to do that. process talking about being meticulous yeah Yeah. i mean talking about like going being very thorough oh my god a big project for the trip yeah a a big project yeah but finally 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 uh he was able to he was happy as a clam and he you know uh his the favorite albums were you know playing great he's a big joy division fan uh he was listening to joy he was listening to um um lots of electronic stuff from the 80s uh simple minds you know all that stuff and 
And uh, anyway, so our, our second stop was in this town called San Felipe. And by total coincidence, we got to this town a few days before the Baja 250 begins. Okay. Began. Grace. So yeah. yes, so there are a few Baja races uh, that take place every year. The Baja 250 is kind of the prelude, the sort of the introductory race uh, for the for the upcoming races. There's the Baja 400, 500, and thousand. The thousand mm -hmm. is I think in November, December, something. And uh, so this is 250 should, miles of dirt. Should we, save, should we save the Baja story for the second half of this podcast? We can, we can skip music news because I really want to hear more about the, the trip. Yeah, I'll wrap it up with this little Baja story. It's very short. Okay. Um, so the Baja 250 uh, was uh, set to begin like just a couple of days after we were going to leave San Felipe. Um, but people from all over the U.S. and Canada had already come down and checked into the same hotel that we were checking in. The parking mm. lot was just full of these crazy-ass dune buggy things. Anything yeah. from, um, you know, four-wheel dune buggies to, to you know, motorcycles, uh, to any other crazy contraption that you would want to, you know, ATVs, any other crazy contraption you want to um, uh, race on the, on the sand. Yeah. And the gas lines, dude. Insane, it took us an hour and a half to get gas because oh all God. these people needed to fill up and bring gas with them. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it was nuts. That's and there was a freaking windstorm that night. So the winds, so the, the, the you know the Baja desert winds were just flying through town, and you can see yeah. them. I've got video of like the sand. I thought we were in Saudi Arabia or something, right? I mean, the sand was just flying over the street and flying down the street. And yeah. we just had to lock ourselves in our hotel room because it was like, Jesus, it was like pins and needles hitting in the legs. That's how fast that sand was flying, man. It was crazy. The whole trip was a, just a, such a fun adventure. And um, I'm blabbing my head off. So I will continue this on our next pod. So San Felipe, um, we'll start there next round. All right. Sounds good. And one day we'll get to, to my vacation. So. <laughs> yes, exactly. You might have another vacation uh, before that. I know, right? Well, let's bring on our guests now. I think they're ready to, to come on in. So, um, like I said, had a chance to talk to Stephanie and Conrad from Beautiful Machines. We had such a fun conversation. Um, look forward to sharing it. And, and they have a new album that they're finishing up called Singularity. Should be available this summer. Um, and I hope to get back to the Bay for, uh, for a, a show at some point. So um, let's bring Conrad and Stephanie on in. Sounds good. Welcome, guys. Sounds good. How are you doing? I like it. Uh, good. Nice to talk to you, Conrad, Stephanie. Uh, thanks for taking the time. I appreciate it. No worries. Steve? Yeah? Okay, yeah. cool. Very good. Uh, okay, so um, so I want to start uh, back as far back as we can go. <laughs> uh, let, let's start by, uh, where do you, tell me about kind of what music you listened to as kids. Um, you know, what was the vibe in your households? Um, sure, sure. Are we recording already? Yeah, we're we're rolling. I'm <laughs> just kidding. We just okay. roll right into it. So. <laughs> okay, cool. Uh, let's see. So, um, for me, um, music in the household early on was vibrant. Um, I was playing with toys and stuff like that, banging on stuff, playing like little fake guitars and uh, those kind of things. And kind of music I was listening to was, I actually, my mom's gonna be happy to hear me say this, but. 
the music she was listening to was really interesting at the time. She got me into kind of weird, interesting music. For me, it was weird. It was this record called Synergy. I was like, who's this? It was kind of in the realm of like, um, uh, I don't know, it's kind of electronic, but quite avant listening to police before it's like well-known and stuff like that. I don't know. So that's kind of music. So your mom was an influence. Did your dad bring any uh, music to you that you kind of, that kind of stuck with you? Yeah, they both influenced uh, some. My dad's more into kind of classic rock stuff. And uh, so, so in that realm, the, the warm, feel-good kind of music. But then I think, I think my mom had like, was listening to Oingo Boingo, for example, if you're familiar with who that is. I was like, well, is this weird, just interesting? And then, and so those are the weird kind of melodies that entranced me from when I was really little, yeah. Yeah, how about you, Stephanie? Uh, what, what was it like in your household? I think my household had no music, <laughs> but oh, I had, wait, um, well, I had, uh, I had like a classical kind of like cassette set when I was a baby. So they just played me classical music, cycling through the masters. But um, my parents are not really musically inclined and, you know, they don't listen to music and yeah. they just like dumped mm -hmm. me with a whole bunch of classical composers and babysitters and it, it really worked out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so, where, so where did you get that taste? Where did you get your taste for music? Uh, well, my taste kind of developed. I just, you know, I, would, I had a Walkman and like... I was trying to find cassettes to listen to. I started with like soundtracks. I grew up in a different country, you know? So like music wasn't readily accessible except for like really bad folk music. And um, so my gateway to music was actually through film. So I saw that like film soundtracks, which was more readily available than others. And also, you know, you, you, you like heard it and you were able to look for it. So I started with those kind of things. And then with soundtracks, sometimes you get like more contemporary things. So then I just kind of went down my own research and then sought them out and started from there. And yeah. I got into like electronic music when I moved to this country, I, got, I, I fell in love with metal and then electronic music in like the early nineties and then and that was like a totally different yeah. journey. Yeah, the metal has an influence on me from really young too. <laughs> like same, same. I, th I think that's kind of maybe what got me into guitar. I was like, that just is powerful and kicks ass. And, and then it translates nicely into electronic because you want kind of tight, hard hitting, intricate kind of stuff going on. The, I think the intricateness is the connecting factor. Yeah. 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 And, and so Steph, where do you move from and when did you move to the United States? Um, I lived, I, I was born and raised in Taiwan and I had like a brief stint in Connecticut when I was four and then went back and then um, moved here again in, to California to, in like, when I was 11, 12, something like that. Okay. And so you, you lived in San Francisco from that point? No, I just, I, I lived a little more further up north in Sacramento. Um, okay. And then well, once I became free, then I moved down the coast and then up the coast and then down the coast again and then up the coast again. <laughs> mm -hmm. all, all along the coast, got it. <laughs> and, uh, and so tell, tell me about your, how you two met in San, did you meet in San Francisco? Mm -hmm. tell, me, tell me what that was like. How did you two come together? Um, yeah, San Francisco was awesome. I was uh, putting a band together. I had 
I was looking for people who like want to do this for real because I was playing with some some guys and they're kind of like half you know halfway there they're like yeah we'll jam sometimes stuff like that I was like this is not I can't deal with it I need some real and I want high level professional like amazing musicians who's like you know you vibe off of so then yeah I did the Craigslist thing and put um, some ads out and uh, went through a bunch of people and then met with Steph and yeah instant gel yeah and it just uh, um, joined together. Did you play any shows in San Francisco when you when you got together? Yeah, yeah, we had a really interesting one. Like, <laughs> yeah, our very first show, I was putting some, I was like doing events at the same time, like completely separate, uh, like putting on like music shows every Friday uh, for yeah. other bands. And um, then we had this idea because I like glam rock, and uh, I think that was a connection point. Also, there's like kind of metal glam there's always kind of little different elements that that leaks through uh in our music in different ways and so one of our first shows we we called it glamtastica and we played some like glam rock covers like uh t-rex and bowie and uh you know blur and this kind of stuff and then um that was a really fun show we dressed in like fishnets and uh lots of makeup drummer was into it bass player was way into it yeah everybody had was looking looking hot and that was, was there wedding dress involved. There were, <laughs> yeah, there were some wedding dresses involved. It was a fun event. It was a good way to kickstart things off. And and we just only in that show we just we played like some covers just for fun. We had just gotten together for like a few months at that time, so we're just kind of messing around. And uh, I think we played uh, maybe three originals during that time. And then people were like, "Yeah, we liked originals the best." Actually, it's like that's cool. Yeah. Where where was that show? I'm uh, I'm in Napa, by the way, so that's why I'm asking. Oh, about okay. It. Yeah, yeah. It's a harlot. It's this. Yeah, it was a club called Harlot. Right in the heart of Soma. Okay. There's okay, like okay. animal heads on the walls, and yeah, it's quite swanky. Yeah, it was swanky. Yeah, it was it was the same place where they had a Twitter the Twitter launch party, which I was also at way back in the day, 2008 or something, and uh, yeah, so it has has some history. Napa's yeah. awesome. We love Napa too. Yeah, no complaints here, right? So <laughs> if you're a fan of wine, it's great. It's uh, I grew up here, so it's a, a little different because it took me a little while to start even drinking wine. I was always a, a beer guy, you know. It's just a thing that was here if you kind of grow up with it. Uh, but uh, but it's not lost on me how amazing it is to live here. So um, I feel it because because just in that area, also, I mean, it's almost like where IPA was developed nearby, wasn't it? Like kind of Lagunitas. Lagunitas, yeah. Yeah, I don't say oh, yeah, that's IPA, but that's where they kind of like really started to bring it to the forefront. Yeah, I think like Petaluma and San Rafael, Santa Rosa, craft yep. Yeah, all the craft stuff is going on over there. I know, it's craft so crafty. <laughs> <laughs> now we need to go get a beer, right? You know? <laughs> mm, IPA. Right? That's something we miss about California, huh? Yeah. IPA and oysters. There's a... Oh, my God. What's that the coast down there? Oh. Like to, Tamales Bay or something? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, so, so is 2013 was your first album, Disconnect, Reconnect, right? Correct. So tell me how, about the process of, of making that. How did it come about? Uh, okay. So these songs, compared to how we do things now, it was kind of band, the band would get together. I would bring some ideas in and then we'd just workshop them and play around. And then Maybe there's a beat that's inspiring and I'm like, that sounds cool. Or maybe Steph is playing some really cool synth pad stuff or like melody. I'm like, yes, that thing. And then whatever ways that happens, it kind of just forms into songs. And then 
that was kind of our first effort. Do you have anything you want to add to that? Yeah, it was, I mean, Conrad had a lot of ideas already for songs. And, you know, um, when we first started playing together, a lot of the songs were already quite hashed out and then we would build on his ideas and make them more complete. And then we also like made some other songs in that way where we just got together, rehearsed and things just emerged. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of the finding your sound songs album you're kind of going is this what we what do we yeah, sound exactly. like yet and i think honestly like by the by the third album by that time you kind of are, are getting more close to and then also it changes you know i think a lot of bands like that, that we've heard later on that you hear that this is their first album it was never actually their first album they've had other musical works that they put out and then the first one as they debut out is like maybe their third you know <laughs> yeah they talk about <laughs> yeah. like this is the one this is the sound and then that also it's just going to keep evolving forever. Yeah. Were, were there a lot of songs that didn't make it into the album, ended up on the, the cutting record, so to speak? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't leaving it at that. <laughs> no, no. I don't know. Some of them are just like you're having fun and goofing around. I mean, there's really, we have so many pieces of music and so much songs that are like not ever finished or fleshed out. And they're just sitting there in like the rehearsals folder, which has, I don't know, hundreds. Yeah, we used to meticulously like record every rehearsal because things would just emerge out of there and they're, it's like a seed bank, you know? Yeah, I kind of wish you could just take those songs and and just leave them, at, you know, don't touch them anymore. And like, you don't have to perfect the sound. You just go, this is how it sounds. It's all kind of messy and sounds shitty, but there's like an essence to it that sounds really cool, I like. And I feel like, and also you're not analyzing it. You're just, it just happened. And yeah. Because that is a, it just feels nicer, at least from my point of view. But it won't ever make it to commercial world because it just doesn't sound ready in that way. Yeah, because there's there's like that sound that we're after now that's that's dialed in a certain way, right? Mm -hmm. And then there's also like things that just emerge out of out of us playing together. Yeah, Have you which sounds way different. <laughs> sounds completely like it's still in the same world, but totally different. Yeah, and also we'll cheese it up sometimes, you know. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll do different accents and voices. Really, really cheesy ones. Just, there. Yeah, yeah. You're just tr uh, testing the boundaries of where it could go, right? Yeah, I'll do like you know, like a whole David Bowie set for some reason. Not yeah, doing had, David Bowie we covers, had done but a whole seventies set too. That oh, yeah. was weird. <laughs> yeah, that was, I don't know how we did, but I think I think there's aspects that comes through. Yeah, like prog rock might come through a little bit. Some seventies stuff you're talking about, funk. I mean, there's all different kinds of stuff, especially on the new album. There'll be like some French touch kind of styles, if you're familiar with that, uh, that that's going to probably come there's through. There's weird timings that creep through too. We have something in like 17, you know, which is a weird time signature. But we want to make it, I think the, the key with weird time signatures is make them feel and sound semi-normal. And then, you know what I mean? Like you can kind of feel like there's a melody there, but you're not sure why it's like not exactly straight on, but it's not like King Crimson or something where it's, math rock where they're just trying to like make you feel really like jolted it's like i feel like it's a mastery when you take it and you can like figure out how to make something in 11 feel kind of normal yeah. it's not normal but you know what i mean like make you feel feel like it's not i don't know what's the right word it's in, it's interesting and it's it's like a craft to be able to do that anyways yeah timing sure and you mentioned you mentioned Bowie a couple of times. Like, tell me, is he an inspiration? How do you incorporate kind of his feel into your music? Man, geez, I don't know. Bowie's awesome. I think it all started back from Labyrinth. 
Um, yeah. He had a nice bulge in his pants. And so I thought, okay, this guy's, this, this guy's somebody to follow. <laughs> I'm kidding. I dress up as Bowie from Labyrinth as Halloween one year for, oh, no. for, for my daughter because she wanted to be Sarah. And I'm like, well, <laughs> you know, no one has any context. You, you can't just do Sarah, right? It's like, that, that doesn't work. And so I was like, okay, I got to pull the Bowie. So, uh, <laughs> so I, I did the Bowie from Labyrinth. So. Oh my God. Uh, later on, can you send me those pictures? I got to see this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'll see, if I can, I'll see if I can find it while we're talking. Man, Bowie, is, Bowie is so um, cosmopolitan. Everywhere, every country we've been in, we traveled all over Europe and Asia and everywhere we've been. You'll go to some random place in the middle of nowhere. I mean, literally. Random apartments in Japan. Yeah. Mr. Bowie. <laughs> or, yeah, like some kind of underground bar. Bowie has, is literally everywhere. It's really, really interesting. He's such a huge impact. He's like pop culture meets rock meets glam. He tries all different kinds of things. Oh, look at that. Oh, sweet. You remind me of the babe. Wow, you're right? complete with a necklace and pendant. Yeah. Nice. Oh, yeah. I went for it. And uh, yeah, I had to pad a certain area a little bit because of, yeah. Because <laughs> 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 I know what you're doing. Yeah. I, this one doesn't even have the eye makeup. I did the eye makeup but too, but anyway. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, yeah. A, a big Bowie fan. You know, I, yeah, I actually yeah. went, my favorite concert was a, a celebration like that happened after his life at the Regency in San Francisco. Um, and it was led by Gary Oldman, uh, the, the, actor, really? the actor. Does he live in San Francisco? No, no, but he was, uh, a bunch of musicians came up from LA um, and it made it into this whole celebrating David Bowie tour, but this was like the second of the shows and there were like 70 musicians. It was three and a half hours of the Bowie music. I mean, cycling, so many musicians cycling out and we got to talk to, uh, you know, whoever we wanted. I mean, um, you know, and who do we talk to? Sting's son, uh, members of D Bowie's band, Gary Oldman, uh, uh, you know, someone from Talking Heads, wow. you know, that sort of thing. Oh, so that's so cool. Wow. How influential is this guy that that people celebrate him afterwards? And you know what I mean? It's like, and not just there, but all over the world after this happened. That's, yeah, that's we incredible. went to something similar in Berlin. That's where we were when it happened, when, when he passed away. And there was a studio, Hansa studio, where he, like, his transformation kind of happened, you know, like when he left mm -hmm. and then went to Berlin and then there's a new musical chapter for him. Mm -hmm. So there was like something similar to that at the studio, but not nearly as many as 70. <laughs> God, that's crazy. Yeah, he's widely right. celebrated. Yeah, I, I was in Seattle. You remember where you are at certain points like that, right? Like I was in yeah. Seattle and I was on a trip with my kids and, and I heard, you know, that he, that he died and, you know, and Blackstar had just come out and I listened to that album so many times and just like, just the miraculousness of how, he went out on top, right? He went out doing what he loved and planned. It felt the planned to the very end with, with that. I know. Album. It's almost like his his exit felt planned almost yeah, as well. Cool. Yes, yeah, so yeah. I'll go out of Black Star. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> <He> damn. <did. laughs> you know? Yeah. 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 We talk about Bowie all day, but we'll, 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 we'll cycle all back right. to you. Really. <laughs> Either um, way. Yeah. Yeah, either way. Uh, so, so bridges. Okay. So, you um, you wanted to take the listeners on a journey with this album. Tell me about that. What was that journey? What was? Uh, where did you want to take the listeners? In bridges. 
across the bridge, I guess. You know, it's like across, we're just going across the bridge. <laughs> no, actually, to be honest, so, okay, so uh, 2015, that's our first time setting out to Berlin. We started, like, writing some stuff. Already there was a song being developed for this current album, Singularity. And then we said, well, it's going to take some time to, like, come, up, come across this album, this concept. So let's make a bridge to the next album. So for, you know, the idea being the first album is called Disconnect to Reconnect, which is little two dots there, plug back in. And there's all this kind of cyber influence kind of, you know, lathered over it, I guess. And, um, and so I guess we live in San Francisco and there's a bridge there. That's also another connection. No, it has nothing to do with it at all. <laughs> no, you wanna hear something interesting though. If you slice somebody's head in half um, horizontally and you look at the brain, there's this, uh, there's this shape there, do you know what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. Which makes the shape of a bridge symbol. So it's like you're kind of, uh, which is- which, which is kind It's of kind of like the crevice between the, the two hemispheres, right? Like if you, if you could take a cross section at a, at a specific point, mm -hmm. it happens to be like those two uh, chasms kind of form that bridge symbol. And it's the same in every brain. Yeah. and. Yeah, and the bridge's idea is that it's kind of like I felt like we're at a time, technologically speaking, where we're kind of bridging into a kind of a next level. I feel like in this this decade, actually, this is just I'm not uh, making any kind of prophecies or anything like that, but I feel like it's going to shift. There's at least there'll be the beginnings of where they're shifting into kind of uh, people kind of getting into uploading their consciousness, and there's going to be strong AI and that kind of stuff. And so already we're thinking about these kind of things, and it's coming through. But I feel like the, the essence of that album was like, it's bridging us, taking us to a different place. And right after that, we, we kind of started traveling a lot. And so there's this feeling of sense of kind of euphoria that was uh, across most of the album, I felt like, and kind of started to explore a little bit more. Like there's a song called Interference on there, which isn't even a song, it was just like random yeah. static, which was generated from guitars and lights in the room and using the lights and, and, and like using that to kind of feedback, create a feedback loop, which is kind of weird. And it was a one-take that song. Yeah. It's, oh, really? Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. It was just a it was a random thing. I thought, like, man, I think that there's there needs to be some random chaos in, in, in the music more. And we need to do some weird shit instead of just songs, you know, try something different. Even though it's not gonna, you know, most people probably don't know what the hell's going on there, or they think it's a synthesizer. I think it's really cool. It's like cosmic noise, beautiful. Yeah. That song itself is like a bridge between uh, the the two other songs that are, are around it, right? Mm -hmm. in, in yeah. Sense, uh, yeah. Yeah. The first the first three songs kind of connect all together somehow. They were like it was there's like the the root the root note kind of is seeding through it. Anyways, yeah. 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 So, so tell me about the decision to uproot your lives in San Francisco in the U.S., leave, leave the country and, and start traveling. What, did, what would, was that process like for you? Stephanie? Um, well, I, I think we've both been in San Francisco for quite a while. And um, it just felt increasingly like the universe is saying, it's kind of like San Francisco felt like a huge accelerator incubator for us. And then, you know, the universe is like, it's time to go. And then, you know, things happen. We went to South by Southwest and then we did like a little mid, um, south, sorry, Southwest tour, I guess. And we came back and it went to Burning Man and then 
came back and it just felt like there was a very definitive, like, yes, the next chapter shall begin. Yeah. So we, the, the energy changed in the, in the area. It's kind of like when, we, when I first came there, I was like, this is exciting. What the hell? This is new. There's so many people which are naked on the street. I love this. <laughs> you know, there's diversity beyond you know, at that time. And there was tech coming in, of course, and it's always been kind of near Silicon Valley, but now it, something felt kind of like stale a little bit. I don't want to say that about San Francisco because it's awesome, but for us at that moment, that's what it started to feel like. Yeah, I think it was just like we were there and we absorbed what we needed to. And it was kind of like, hey, guys, go on to the next chapter. And then we kind of did ignore that for a while. We we're like, no, but we still like it here. And then it just became kind of funny because it was like it was, you know, we're being like, yeah, it was like a tornado of energies just going get out of here just go to the europe and you know uk and go explore there so so we're like all right you know and then we had this whole like intense month of like basically having a fire sale of our lives and you know leaving and it was like total flow like okay this is being supported this is cool like every you know creatures came out of the woodworks and came to meet us and it was like a good big like month-long farewell party yeah. And it was cool. And then and then we got to the airport and we had this like ceremonious moment where we had huge like rings of keys we couldn't get rid of. And we're like, well, let's just put them into the garbage can at SFO. Yeah. <laughs> I really just tossed them and released the baggage, right? Yeah. It feels it feels amazing to be, you know, that old saying, if you your stuff ends up owning you when you have too much stuff kind of thing. It's not like we had too much stuff, but you feel liberated when you don't have very much and you just have your essentials. I feel like it feels like kind of this generation, it's like more uh, open to that. It's not about like accumulating so many things necessarily. I mean, gear aside, you know, music gear aside, that's, that's <laughs> yeah, one thing. Yeah. You need that to survive, right? So that's. <laughs> yeah. And also, also, I think what was going on it has nothing to do with that there was a presidential election at that time. That has right, nothing that to do too. with it at all. Wink, wink. Wink, wink. Yeah, it's nothing at all. That uh, yeah, I mean, you got out at the right time. Let's just say it. And uh, <laughs> transformed. There was fires going on constantly. It felt like, from at least when we're witnessing it on, on the West Coast. Yeah. You know. Yeah, you were right there. Oh yeah. No, I know. Yeah, and like it happened right behind my house, and Whoa. and I I didn't know for a couple of days whether my house was still standing and uh, you know had to bike back in. I mean, I just stayed with a friend for a week and a half. I mean, and then years years since it's been similar situations but not bad i'm le i'm actually leaving napa i bought a house in, in vacaville um and uh and so as much as i love it here and, and everything it's uh kind of time to step away from that stress that of every year being nervous about whether you're gonna <laughs> and, and the rolling rolling shutoffs it's, it's not fun so <laughs> it's not no it's fun. really flammable there huh it's so raking yeah. the forest doesn't help it's dry. It's dry. I mean, it doesn't rain enough. You know, there's no water. It's just like every That's interesting. August. I saw that Lake, uh, is it Lake Havasu recently, mm -hmm. today, maybe, in the news, like it's almost all dried up and it lost, I think, 60 something feet or something. I mean, the lake? It's, yeah. That oh. one that we went to in one year or two years, whatever it's been. Don't quote me on any of the specific numbers here, but yeah, it's so much. There's like a, 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 lat, a, a bridge that goes down into the remnants of the lake where there's still a few like, houseboats there but probably by the next year it'll be completely dried up well yeah that's like it's, it's a staple it's it's nuts yeah, yeah. um 
Yeah. So before we go too far forward, I, I did want to go back because it, uh, I did want to talk to you about Burning Man. You mentioned stuff, uh, Burning Man. What was that experience like uh, for you? I mean, I've never been. I've only heard stories, and I, the stories I hear. And you have to go when the time's right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I've pretty much lived it, right? So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, you're right in the in the scores in the middle of it. Um, well, I started to go. I think my first time going was 2011, and I have been going every year since 2011, maybe. And then we went as a band. Um, our drummer at the time also, I think he's been going for quite a, a few years straight. These guys are burners, man. You know, total yeah. burners. Yeah, but we're not we're not like the kind of burners that live the whole year for the burn. No, you know. <laughs> I just like to go. And then we went as a band in uh, 2015. Mm. What was it, 16? It was 2015. I'm, 2015. I've only went once, though. Gone once. And yeah. it was awesome. Like, we played uh, we played on, like, the oldest soundstage at Burning Man called um, Dustfish. Mm -hmm. And um, we played on our drummer's art car at the time, which is, like, this funny-looking animal that he made out of his van. Oh, he's a badass. He took, it was called, his, he took... Like our our band van was like literally I don't want to say Remember a name? a rape van yeah it wasn't a it's one of these Dodge it's Ram really vans which is so old and smelly and he likes to kind of we're not talking bad about him we're just you know just, he likes to have it kind of trashed out a little bit it's kind of like you know, yeah he he likes to tinker with stuff in the garage yeah he you know, welds things he so basically yeah he's he's a, he's a badass and he made this thing called uh, Tunnel Vision of Love and it was these <laughs> infinity mirrors because I was into like you know visuals for the show at the time and i was mentioning infinity mirrors and they took him and wrapped the whole band in this thing which at nighttime could be dangerous for some people when they're all they see is a tunnel and they think they're going to go into it but it's the car coming at you <laughs> so then they, <laughs> but you can't drive that fast there um but yeah we're, we basically played on top of this thing while we're driving around but the car the, the van actually looks like a purple bull during the day right that's right yeah, yeah. <laughs> so weird <laughs> He put it on top of the van while driving. Yeah, yeah. And he was driving on the top while playing drums at the same time. <laughs> wow. Because he, had, he he basically drilled a hole through the top and uh -huh. then it lengthened the steering wheel with like a rod and then had pedals. Yeah, it was like a whole kind of yeah. It was a whole and, and then one day we decided to just like we drove into the middle of the desert. We're like, here, let's just set up and play here for like an impromptu set. Yeah. And it's you know, it's, there's like no artworks around there mm. and it's just an empty plot and then we set up but we didn't know there's like maybe uh, a porta potty roll like maybe half a mile down so all of a sudden these like huge droves of people started to come at us because they came out of the porta potty they're listening to the sound and going wait there's something there and it's just yeah. kind of like you know yeah it's like a big canvas in this place <laughs> and, and the other thing is i would say is i was really hesitant to go for a long time uh I think when I first got to San Francisco 2000, summer of 2007, which was a 40th anniversary of Summer of Love, I, like people were talking about it, I didn't really know too much about it. And then 2008, like we had to go. And I was like, okay, so we got a ticket, but then somebody had stole our tickets. I didn't realize that that's the thing people do. And uh, so then I didn't go for many years and there was like kind of a, a weird feeling of, uh, there was a weird feeling related with with people that are going there kind of hedonistic vibes and I was kind of like oh, I don't know if I want to go in this situation in that time <laughs> but now I'm looking back on what an idiot I should have gone like the whole time would have been really fun yeah it's it's definitely eye-opening it was a 
there's a spiritual side to it as well. Not for everybody. You yeah. find what you're going to find there. Everybody has their own experience in life and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, we had a good group of friends at this camp called Spirit Dream. They just serve coffee to people and then they do like live readings on people, you know, and healings. Yeah, really people cool. are there bawling and crying and having real transformational uh, effects happening. Our, our own camp is pretty spiritual too. Yeah, spiritual yeah. and sleazy at the same time. That's how they roll. <laughs> it's, it's, quite, it's quite the vibe for sure that's i mean it sounds like an incredible experience so yeah um, so uh, so let's talk about singularity um this has been in the works for a while from what i can tell right like you've been working on tell me about the phases of getting it to where it is is it done and uh and where is the where where are you in the process of singularity uh no it's not done to be honest uh so we wanted to kind of like bring something out forth that's kind of uh, in the realm of a concept album. I don't want to say that's what it is, but kind of like there's a main idea that kind of lingers around everything. And then as you're, you know, as we're like, we're still making uh, bits of it, but I think all of the songs are there. Now they just need to be refined a little bit and probably by this summer, I think we'll be definitely be, it'll be out there in the world floating around. Um, but uh, the process is we wanted to kind of make things more aligned with our own abilities to harness the sound that we want instead of kind of going to um you know like somebody else like a producer even though like right now kind of working hybrid with the producer but it's mostly like leaning like 98 percent us our sounds and then like they're just kind of saying hey what about this it's like we, we a, spend a lot of time on the mixes right that's yeah. like where we spend the majority of the time yeah too much time yeah and it's just but it's it's because I'm trying we're trying to bring out a different little bit of a different sound than has been brought out before and I it's hard to find other artists whose sound is the one I'm trying to that that is that I'm hearing it's kind of a has like kind of a I don't know how to explain it like it's a big sound but yeah. at the same time it's not um, yeah I can't really find other artists to compare with. For this, okay. so that it makes it makes it harder. If you're playing like rockabilly, you're like, okay, it sounds like this, and you know exactly. Can I throw one out? Sure. Yeah. Mute math. Yeah. Have you have you heard? Of, are you familiar with me? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Like your control in the video, also. Like I was like, where do I where do I feel this right? And it, and it felt like mute math to me a oh, little bit. Oh, cool. You're the first person who said that. I'll have to watch to check it out more in detail. Like the more current mute math stuff. I, I don't think they're around anymore. I looked them. I actually looked them up before we chatted because uh, I was like, "Oh my god, yeah, I loved them back in the day." And I saw them. I interviewed them a couple of times and saw them at Slims and uh, and what have you. Uh, and and they, you know, they just had that exactly how you're describing it too, like this big sound, you know, um, but condensed and the lighting and it's an active part of it. Uh, you know, I mean. They took some of those fluorescence and bashed the fluorescence during the performance. Uh, I remember. I mean, we're talking 15 years ago or something, right? But yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it just it took me back to that point. So uh, it, I mean, maybe go give that a listen. And, uh, again. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I like them. Yeah. But I didn't think we we were in the same camp, but you know, you, you never know because there's like subtle influences, right? Like Prague in our music and. And they had that, so yeah, that's that's cool. It's good to know. Yeah, not to get all intellectual about it. <laughs> no, there's, there's, there's um, and also I would say that the, you know, when people try to make music to a certain genre, 
And so sometimes you'll make a song and that song lives in a genre, I guess, you know, and then you make another song and that song's in a different one. But then when you're formulating the idea of what's this band about or what's this uh, album about, you, I think you have to listen to all of them because it's going somewhere, you know, like one might be completely a space disco thing or one might be like a, a celestial, just heart opening feeling and very positive feeling. Another one might be gritty, dark, heavy, Nine Inch Nails influenced kind of industrial kind of thing going on. And so it encompasses all of those things, even like shoegaze, there's all different kinds of like flavors going on in there. It just all kind of merges with the, what it feels like. So that's why it's really hard to get the sound just right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so this album has been kind of more of a challenge, would you say, than pulling together your, your last albums? Did you, I mean, you're, you're really striving to make it something, you know, specific. Yeah, I want everything to be elevated more than before. And, uh, and just to kind of say like, this is like what, what our sound sounds like at the time. Yeah, but, it sounds closer to how we're hearing it inside our heads more than anything else we've made so far. I yeah, think. things that we made before, like control and stuff, I felt like was living more in the indie DIY kind of vibe. And it wasn't as coming to fruition where it is now. I think that's just skill level, like production skills and, you know, knowing, knowing how to get the sound you want, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, so. T uh, tell me about Survive and uh, and kind of the story behind uh, Survive. I know that's uh, kind of about um, be, uh, you kind of escaping the, uh, the government lockdown in uh, Nepal, right? Tell, tell yeah. me about what up to that. Okay, uh, let's see. So yeah, it was wild there. It's a really cool place. It's a, we're, we wanted to go there and like surf the Himalayas and uh, you know, have some kind of Buddhistic, sh shamanistic, uh, enlightenment experiences and all that kind of stuff, which it was actually, and just in a different way. But so one thing I noticed when we're over there is there was like, there's rubble everywhere. I mean, there's like remnants of earthquake. Uh, the system like is integrated differently the way the system works, meaning like the infrastructure system, how people like uh, remove their garbage, water, all that kind of stuff. Like those kind of things, essentials, is not as reliable as it would be if we're if you're in in a West, you know, obviously. So those things you kind of take for granted. Streets and there's like there's just like like whole there'll be a bridge and it just falls right off the edge and you're just like okay and that's but people walk across they'll put a board and just walk across or ride a bike across this narrow little board like this with a, just a death drop in between and that's just literally in the middle of a city and you're like what the wow yeah. But so we had heard uh, news that, you know, India infection rates were getting higher uh, with COVID. So, and then we're like, okay, well, it's going to probably happen is they're going to come across the border and looking for opportunities and stuff and, and um, to escape their lockdown, which would then trigger cascade effect, domino effect that Nepal is going to lock down. It shouldn't have happened. Yeah, it did happen. Because they couldn't get out to other places, right? Their airports were shut in India. But they can just cross the land border over to Nepal and then fly out from Nepal. Yeah. So there was like a huge influx of people in COVID. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's, uh, and so we don't, they, they don't give you any kind of like heads up. And then even if they did give you a heads up, it, it was, was like, like less than 48 hours. If you had that much heads up, you couldn't even book a flight anyways. It'll be a week, two weeks later at the earliest. So we just had to guess, like, we don't know they're going to lock down. So we're just, let's just 
pretend like they might, unless you get, get the next flight out as soon as we can find, which was like, I think at the time, six or seven days later. So they could have shut down and then we've been stuck in there. We ended up the last, very last flight of the last day at the last, if that flight was like, you know, we got to fill up, we we're just going to, and I was like, uh, then we'll be there stuck for six months or a year. Or wow. Yeah. yeah. Or we, I guess we could have pilgrimaged out, but that would have been tough. <laughs> that would have been a completely different experience with <laughs> We get some like sheep and goats and stuff and just like totally. <laughs> just cross the Himalayas. Yeah. Well, that, okay. The Himalayas would have been a real challenge. <laughs> that would be epic. <laughs> yeah. They're playing music along the way, getting your van, you know, and uh, playing the top it, right? <laughs> that place, there's, there's, there is um, synchronicities that are happening all over the place in the world. And they're, they're happening there too. We're just walking you know, on the street and somebody comes up, they're not trying to sell you something necessarily, or maybe they are. That person turns out to be like a friend that you meet for, for that part. And they, they show you everything around that you, you would have never known and introduce you to people who give you this art. And then, I don't know, it's like- Yeah, it's a synchronous. I mean, people are really sweet there. Yeah. They're just lovely people. Yeah, I think there's this idea of third world stuff where like people are just struggling, but really they're- <laughs> They're, they're very happy they're there. really happy in general that's the experience they're i would so say sweet. the third worldish places seem to be very happy oh that's good that's good um there's two other songs i want to ask you about one is one is bastion uh and uh growing up as you know i grew up in the 90s of course and uh that, that movie was a very much a part of my childhood and then made it a part of my kids childhood uh subsequently as you do and <laughs> Uh, and so tell me, tell me about making it. And you incorporated parts of the, uh, the movie, you know, uh, in the song also, which I love, you know, call my name, you know, uh, in there. I, I love it. Tell me about making that song. So emotional, that song, that, that part. It's just like, ah! you know, when Bastion's <laughs> crying out the window. Um, let's see. Um, so yeah, there's that nostalgic feeling and that movie, for some reason, it's not like the, it's not, you know, I think you're, you're writing a song and then you're feeling into it and then it becomes the feeling and it reminds you of a feeling of something. And I think that song felt to me like this dragon flying through the sky. And then who, who else flies a dragon through the sky except for Treyu and Bastion and those guys from Never Ending Story. And so, yeah, it just kind of materialized that way. I don't know how else to say it. You know, there's this funny thing where like Conrad would write, you know, we have some songs and then sometimes the lyrics come together a little bit after the musical ideas or the other way around. But there was this period of time where the lyrics or the song, song titles actually kind of like forecasted what's happening in our lives, you know, yeah. like we need to escape happened shortly before we actually escaped yeah, from San Francisco. So things like that. And then Bastion, like never ending story. It's always had, I read the book too when I was little and it was just like this like treasure trove of symbolism, you know? Yeah. Like it, it's like every little image painted in that book and in the movie where like can unfold into like life lessons, you know? So like, never ending story with Bastion, like calling out the name is all it's all about like your life's purpose wanting to do something but not being able to because you're limited by your current like version of reality or whatever your belief system is or at least for me that that's kind of like what that was about so it's just like come on just tell the universe what you want you know yeah it's like for me it's exact all of that and it's like daydreaming 
like it's it's the imagination of a kid is really what the whole song is about it's just about when you're sitting there and you're in a classroom and you're like looking out the window and you're dreaming you're seeing the clouds go by and you're like why am i sitting in this dead place when life yeah. is happening outside this sucks man yeah it's like learning- do it to dream yeah and you just want to like and so like i would just imagine like you're just looking out and you just kind of like while the while the teachers at the board you just kind of jump out the window and float away and you're just off having adventures in a balloon somewhere that's yeah <laughs> that's what it feels like to me it's like that sentiment inside of the, of what it's like to be a kid and like can you imagine if the world if we changed the world in 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 such a way that we supported kids for just the amazing creativity and imagination they have man the world would be such a better place i'm just saying like kids know yeah. what's going on you have kids so I do. Yeah. And then I've tried to, you know, I've tried to go down that adventure and, and a lot of things that you're expressing and you express in your music that we didn't even touch on, like the, the, the idea behind control. Trust me, I want to get the devices away as much as, uh, as possible. I don't win that battle, uh, but uh, but I try. And, uh, and I sent my daughter to a Waldorf school and, you know, which focuses heavily on, you know, doing things with your hands and knitting and, and gardening and, uh, and they focus on the academic later in, in the ages yeah. versus, you know, versus earlier and that sort of thing. And so that's very much, you know, with my mentality over, you know, how, how we should do, we should let them be kids first. And, uh, you know, the learning will be there, right? Uh, through yeah. their experiences and everything. Yeah, I think, yeah, I would never be one to say, here's how to parent, nothing like that. It's more like, I think that kids need to express, not just express themselves, but learn a bunch of different things. I think the best thing is, you know, if I was a parent, uh, you provide things to stimulate and to open up their mind and to like, ultimately, like, if you were to say, what's the point of life and all that kind of stuff, it's kind of like one of the aspects of it, at least, I would imagine, is to kind of learn and grow. And so yeah. as, a, as a people, as a race, as all that kind of stuff. And so if there was kids who are able to do that and not be kind of um, limited or, or like constrained in any kind of way, we might have some kind of new, there might be totally ways, a different world, right? a different world, which is, I would imagine kid, kids, when they come out, they play, of course, they're going to fight and do those kind of things. But, and you could say that the world is the way that it is, the good and the bad, because uh, that's just how it has become. I feel like there's there'll be more chilled, more chilled attitude in general. Yeah. You know, less competition in the negative competition is good for certain things, but uh, it's it's good for striving to create and to be uh, innovative. But uh, at the same time, there's the cooperative side. And we, we were growing up like you always say, I, I think I was already the person I am as a kid, you know, yeah, yeah. so you just have to give them the ideal environment so they can really grow into that thing they came here to be. Yeah. Do you, do you feel like you're, if you can remember when you were like between, I don't know, four to seven years old, the essence of who you are was still there. Like that's, I like to think about people, like if they were in a sandbox and they're little kids, they are already kind of the essence of who they are. For some reason, it's like you're that thing and you might change a little bit, but my first grade teacher called me a wanderer so uh <laughs> you know that i've always been a little spacey there and you know AD, we all have adhd right AD, uh, so <laughs> we all have what the oldest truth i know yeah. i missed it for half a second but then i got it <laughs> yeah 
so so yeah i mean it's you know it's a part of who who you are and uh, you know yeah, i get it for sure is there adhd or is it like they don't want to focus on the things that are boring as hell <laughs> honestly i mean it's probably a lot of that you know but yeah it's my brother was diagnosed with that and then my mom and she was like oh these pills are good i like this so i'm going to continue <laughs> to have this thing for as long as possible and then my brother yeah. he had i think he was uh, like nine or ten years old or somewhere around that age uh he yeah, basically started on that and he's still on it but if you're on that stuff all the time you'll never know what it's like otherwise to be off of it for a long enough period of time for your mind to even recognize wait do i even need to be on this or should i have been on this or but uh yeah so i'm actually going yeah i mean I, I, I'm not, I don't know why i'm breaking into it now but i'm actually going through it right now literally myself i took my first pill yesterday <laughs> oh um, welcome aboard <laughs> I, well you know, I was diagnosed in seventh grade with ADD before it was ADHD, and uh, and then it, okay, stepped away from it. Didn't didn't do anything with it for like the next twenty years or whatever it's been. You know, uh, and and now and now seeing my daughter go through you know her, her experience and and operate so much better with uh, you know being with treat, treating it right. You know, I'm like okay. Um, and I've been, I've had friends and family tell me, okay, you have ADD, go handle it, right? You know, sort of thing. I'm like, yeah, yeah, whatever. I'm fine. I'm doing well at work and uh, and everything. But uh, but just to see my daughter's experience has made me want to see, okay, maybe maybe it can help me. And so I'm that's kind of where I'm kind of at. Like, yeah. Might as well pursue it and try it. So you, do yeah. you know what the percentage of people who have been um, or speculated diagnosed with uh, ADD and ADHD? 120%, I think, is the number. Um, <laughs> that's not just the norm, then. That's just how it is. That's, it's, yeah. It's, it's, I mean, seriously, though, but uh, I'll say, can you tell my best friend was getting diagnosed, my, my ex-wife, uh, you know, just got diagnosed, her brother, uh, like, everyone around us in my, in my circle is, like, getting diagnosed. It's the thing now, apparently. Uh, and, and I don't know what's dri driving it, but I'm like, okay, uh, you know, this this device in your yeah, yeah, that thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it do doesn't help, you know. You know uh, so. My my brother did say this about it when he's like, he's like, I was asking like, what's it like to to be on this for so long for like, you know, however long it's been like twenty years. Yeah, something. So what's it like? And he was saying, well, it doesn't. How did he say it? It, it wasn't that it improves your life it makes the areas which are harder to deal with less so that then you can focus on these but then to be honest you basically like throw about a couple hot pockets in the microwave and do sudoku puzzles all day and then yeah and if he's not on it he's like and he would finish the whole book of sudoku puzzles sudoku am i saying right sudoku, yeah. i think it, yeah yeah uh-huh yeah and plus I've, I've tried some of his stuff at the time one of them was called dex like something dextromethamphetamine compound yeah like, damn yeah. that's a hard course that's, <laughs> that's, 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 that's it that's it yeah that's like when my, when my daughter is on i think so yeah i i tried one of those and i was like wow i feel like a genius today <laughs> everything it's um, it's like the it's like the limitless pill yeah, yeah. I, th I think also because of that like if we live in a, an age where you have to do like people are doing coding and there's a there's a high level of you know that has a huge part to do with it yeah everybody i know that's like in computers is taking adderall ritalin but the, the key is if you take like a quarter of ritalin i'm not saying anybody to do drugs or anything like that 
man, you just like everything's just like really clear. But it's it's a small, it's like microdosing on these things. Mm. I haven't done yeah. that in a long time. Meditation yeah. is also a way to do this. But yeah, sorry. That's what I hear. You know, I can I need to do more. I mean, I do some sleep meditation because sleep is also an issue with ADD or ADHD, right? Is a lot of people have trouble sleeping and I wake multiple times in the night and don't sleep past five ever. So well. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, yeah, it's it's crazy. And then I got to get on the Peloton and just like ex get the exercise out of the way and everything because I'm obsessive about it. Anyway, we can go far down that road, but uh, but yeah, it's an interesting experience. Um, and so the one other song I wanted to ask you about um, was Take the Night, um, which is described as a zombie fighting party song. Uh, and I, I need to know, I need to know where this idea came from. Jeez, uh, let's see. Um, yeah, I would say, okay, this kind of like brings it back to beginning, like things like uh, Oingo Boingo and is definitely there's 80s vibes in there like Duran Duran feelings in that one for sure like those kind of like hungry like the wolf kind of essences in that somehow and that kind of that kind of energy and then I think with with certain songs you just kind of imagine what it would what it feels like when you're listening to it and then yeah I, I imagine like you're just kind of strolling around with your switchblade at night like you normally would be with leather pants yeah. and there's maybe yeah, some rolling, rolling fog happening and then for some reason you're passing by, like there was a leak of a nuclear radiation plant and it went to a graveyard nearby, which reanimated the zombies, which are the, 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 the undead. Yeah. Well, well the dead, chud. chud. And they basically rise up and then you're just basically like uh, fighting them ninja style. And yeah, that's what it feels like in my head. So this is ADD at work, basically. <laughs> Wait, so so we all have it? Oh, weird. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It just it, it just feels like it. I mean, yeah. Have you ever watched music just for fun? Like they used to like show wave, they used to show these like 80s music videos. They are so fucking random. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I mean, and for that reason, it's pretty awesome. Like just <laughs> I think in 2000 and like 15 or 16, I was like, hey, I wonder what this this uh what was it? There, there was one night in Bangkok. Do you know that okay. song? I don't know. I'm like I'm a really old song. Yeah. yeah. I heard it on the radio. I was like, I wonder what the video looks like for this. And so we're, we're at the drummer's house and I put it on. And I'm like, what in the shit? Sorry for cursing there. No, you go for it. You're good. <laughs> and it is so random. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, none of these, they're, they're so ridiculous. All of them. That's what made them fun. I know. It's like, yeah. what? <laughs> And then it's now just, we're him full circle. It's like just TikTok to the max. <laughs> right, exactly. 15 second increments and everything. And yeah, yeah. Yeah. And also for Take the Night, it was around, we wanted to release it just before Halloween. And and, and we did. And it was, uh, yeah, we need to play that song out more. It's, it's just, fun. yeah, it's really fun. Yeah. So how are you liking London? How has that been working? Cuckoo? You're in London, right? Okay. Yeah, Linda's <laughs> awesome. Linda's awesome. The weather's not as awesome. It's just uh, really, really cold. I recently went back to California for a couple of weeks and it's just like, ah, it's so nice to just be able to go outside and sunny, you know. Over here, there's speaking of freak weather, we we're like touching on that earlier, weather change. There's like 30 degrees all of a sudden one night, and then and then snowing in the middle of April. Like wow. 
Yeah. And then all of a sudden there's a heat wave. The next day is beautiful and it will swing back through. So yeah. there's all kinds of weird weather patterns that we're, we've been going through in like Europe and UK. Mm-hmm. That's different. But London's awesome. London's really, really beautiful. It's like, it's just, you know, we're starting to find out being here that like the British are just like, they're, they're actually just everywhere in the world <laughs> doing awesome things. Yeah. Like people you don't think are British are British. <laughs> yeah. Next time you're watching a movie, just see how many of them are oh. British. And actually, we're just down the street from this place called Pinewood Studios, which when we came here, I was like, what's Pinewood Studios? Like some, and it some turns American. out all the most awesome movies were made there, even Alien. Aliens. From way back. Oh, really? It's been going for a long time, yeah. Pr- pretty much yeah. when a lot of movies you thought would made, were made in Hollywood were actually made here. Yeah. Oh, I know that most of the, uh, the Brits come to America and, and you know, bring in their American accent and then take the, you know, all the acting yeah, around. I know. Spider-Man's <laughs> Everyone's British. Yeah. Yeah. Most American or American characters. You know who got you know who got him back though? Who? Mel Gibson. He's like, I'm gonna go over there and play a Scott. <laughs> I'm gonna show them what it feels like. And they're like, This is blasphemous. You're an American. Bloody hell. I'm kidding. It's horrible accent. Please don't hate me. That's great. That's a great way on top of the internet. <laughs> no. um, uh, but so yeah, but, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, you have, you have shows uh, lined up in, later in summer, right? Like in Germany, is that right, if I remember right? Okay. Yeah. yeah so, you're, so you're pushing towards that to have the album ready to be able to play some shows around there. Yeah, and hopefully a lot more shows out of that. I mean, we kind of want to just be lovely just to go permanent tour for a while. We just feel like kind of being in motion because we've been here for six months. Uh, and also it's been lockdown time. And so it's really time to open the wings. Yeah. Yes. It's, it's yeah. a movement in. You know, I want to dance. I want to move. Dance. Yeah. Fired you, up. Do you see yourself coming back to the U.S. to play some shows? Yeah. Yeah, of course. There was there was uh, some talk with another artist who we really like. Uh, we were talking about doing a tour, but they might be having a kid now. And but that's some some aspects that may still be in the works. I don't know. Yeah. Never want to say anything until it's firmed up and signed and. Ready to go. You say they might be having a kid. It's undetermined, you know, at this point. Or yeah, like the kid might be landing right around the time of the tour. The kid's coming for sure. Oh, okay. There's yeah. no question. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, they, I don't it's know. not sure about the EPA. It's like, can we do the tour and then you kid arrives? Maybe? Yeah, everybody has kids now. I want one of these or two of these. This, this sounds fun. <laughs> do you though? Do you? <laughs> everybody says that. Yeah, no, no, they're the greatest thing in the world, but it's a, it's a task oh, for sure. You know, uh, you know, I, I enjoy the, the, the single life of parenting. I'll tell you that. So uh, <laughs> I get, I get them half the time, and then I get some time to go like myself to, to detox from it. So that's detox. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't intended that way, but. Uh, you know, oh yeah, I mean, you can't really have deep conversations when they're just born, and you know, it's hard to you're just, you're taking care of them. So there's there is that side of things, and and it's hard to breastfeed when you're a man. I mean, it just, it's, it's a challenge. It's a challenge, you know. So, you, but you make it work. Huh? <laughs> That's great. Well, I, I want to thank you, uh, Conrad, Steph. Uh, thank you for taking the time. This hour has been amazing. I really enjoyed it seriously, and uh, and I I really look forward to the new album. Uh, I'm not just saying that, and 
uh, and I hope you come out to the Bay Area. And, I, uh, and if you do, I will make it a priority to see you guys live. We yeah. will hold you to that and remember that, and we will just follow you, and we'll go right up to Vacaville by that time where you've moved, and we'll, we'll knock on your yeah, door. Stick a personal invitation. <laughs> you, you, can play, you can play in my backyard for sure anytime. So <laughs> oh, Barbecue, yes. Yes, absolutely. Trust me. You know, the yard is a, a priority. Having a yard, try to put my barbecue back there and, you know, mm -hmm. and chill. It's, yeah, awesome. it's good. It's good. So um, we'll have a great thank rest you of your day us. then. Yeah, yeah thank yeah. you. Yeah. It's lovely talking and, with you. Yeah, and we'll be hearing from you soon, okay? Cool. Take care, man. Steve, cheers. You too. That was the interview with Beautiful Machines here on Concert Pipeline. And Jens, that takes us to the final segment on the program. What is it? It's, it's the music news. As I try to say like that it, without stuttering. Feels like you're a little rusty there. Haven't been on the pod in a little while, huh? <laughs> it was one of those things. I just had some hot chocolate while we were off air, and I was quite sure if I could swallow again or just start talking. Yeah, it was. It really wasn't meant to be a trick question. So uh, <laughs> right, I'm like I don't know what is it. Couple hundred. It's Wednesday. Data. What's the segment on Wednesday? So I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so well, yeah, uh, yeah. It's we a segment where we stories. Yeah. Exactly, and uh, it's a segment other. where we interrupt each other all the time. <laughs> it is it's that segment uh well um we'll, we'll wind a couple stories because it's been a, a long pod but we'll, we'll you know hit some of the biggest ones that are going on right now there is a new grunge super group Jens, um and it features members of soundgarden and nirvana okay oh so um now you i know what you're thinking nirvana um kurt cobain Check. Probably not, Probably not, unless he's a hologram. Probably not him. Dave Grohl, uh, he's kind of busy right now, you know, wallowing and stuff and getting connected to, yeah. you know. I don't think he's starting. You know, he's been a part of many supergroups, absolutely, mm -hmm. but uh, uh, probably not this one, right? Um, Plus, we don't talk about him until the very last yeah, uh, we're, story of, on this segment. We're pausing that a little bit, you know, because of the current moment where, I mean, he's Dave Grohl and he's a fucking badass and he always is, but, you know, obviously he's not out there right now doing mm -hmm. anything. You know, he's taking time for himself. So I'm not. Given what happened, yeah. We'll, we'll take a break from, from, from closing our music news out with Dave Grohl and perspective, Foo Fighters, and everything that's going on in that camp, right? So definitely not Dave Grohl. So it's got to be one of the other two guys. That leaves Chris Novoselic, um, and it's uh, Kim Thayo and Matt Cameron's. Uh, uh, it's their third. It, it's called Third Secret, and they made their debut performance at Seattle Museum of Pop Culture. Oh, um, no kidding! Yeah, so um, Matt Cameron is the drummer for uh, uh, Pearl Jam, and um, and so they. Let's see here. What else? Um, uh, they surprised fans by dropping their debut self-titled LP Monday night, which is primarily recorded and mixed by famed grunge-era uh, producer Jack Endino. And they also performed that secret show I told you about. Um, previously hinted at the album's existence in February, um, and uh, uh, it's uh, come out, I guess. So 
that uh, so Dio suggested in a video interview last month that he'd like to reunite with his former bandmates in some capacity. He said, I think the three of us have an interest in doing new things. He said of Cameron and Soundgarden bassist Ben Shepard. We certainly like working together. Uh, the album's release is currently limited to online streaming services. It wasn't without its hiccups. Reports coming over Third Secret Hotline that uh, album is still not on Apple Music, read an announcement posted to the band's website shortly after the record dropped, but so there was some, a couple of fumbles, but I, uh, I'm sure it's out there uh, by now and you can uh, check out Third Secret. Um, just in the, while we're talking Nirvana news as well, um, Kurt Cameron's guitar from the Smells Like Teen Spirit video is headed to auction. Oh, look at that. Yeah, it's a 1965 Dodge Dart. Uh, oh, oh wait, no, I mean, I guess that's another one of his guitars. So um, a couple of his guitars are gone. Probably for a, a Dodge a good Dart sounds like a car. It does, doesn't it? Yeah, I know, like, that's, that's weird. Um, What's it, the name what, of the band? Wait, uh, Nirvana? <laughs> no, the new band. Is oh, there... our third, uh, what is it? Third something? Yeah, I already left that. We were on to the next story. I have no idea. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. I can't, I can't go back there. Uh, um, dodge dart. I got to figure out what a dodge dart is. Okay. Yeah, it is a car. It's it a, is car. a car. Okay. Yeah. So, so there's a nice thing. He had a 1965 um, uh, dodge dart. I guess it was his, and that's going to be. Um, a production too. So if you want Kurt Cobain's car or his guitar, I guess uh, there's a way to get it. So. Wow, there's still a Dodge Dart in existence. That's I know. impressive. Just that there's yeah. at least one that's still existing. Yeah. Yeah. You have a story for okay. Kids. I do. I do. I got a story about a guitarist that has turned down a spot on the new Ozzy Osbourne album because. He's re, uh, currently revealed, uh, he's, because he's currently revealed that he's working on multiple projects, not just one project, Steve, but multiple projects. This is a busy guy. And of course, we're talking about Led Zeppelin's Jimmy Page. Ooh, okay. There had to be a reason he turned down Ozzy, so. Yeah, so Jimmy is um, revealing to us all that he's working on, quote, multiple projects, unquote. So to dive into that, um he says it's not just one thing it's multiple things and i don't and i don't want to even give a hint because if you do you give a one sentence sound bite and then if it doesn't materialize it's like why didn't you do a solo album so i wouldn't want to say what it is that i've got planned because i don't want to give people the chance to misinterpret it okay of his new album, he added, I really can't put on record what the new record is. I'll leave it to your imagination. The thing is, there are so many ways I could present myself right now. Actually, not right now. I'll rephrase that. Within a space of time. You know what? I think uh, this guy mm -hmm. is, he just, he wants an out in case none of these multiple projects ever materialize. He doesn't want to have committed. He doesn't want to either. be blamed for any of it. And right? doesn't need to be. I mean, he doesn't need to commit to anything. He like doesn't he, need to. He doesn't. He doesn't need to. Yeah, he doesn't need any new releases or any new breakthrough content. But yeah, hey, 
I can understand he doesn't want to disappoint his fans either. You know, you've got to you've got to be inspired. And it sounds like he's kind of inspired, but doesn't want to disappoint anyone. Yeah. Um, I'm not I'm not expecting anything at all, but I'll be pleasantly surprised if he does come out with something awesome. Well, you know, so uh, leave you leave you questioning whether that's going to happen or not, huh? So yeah, yeah. In fact, I think I think I think the takeaway from the story is just is 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 the way he's positioned all of this to his fans, and I think that can be extracted and used, um, you know, by everyday people like you and I in certain situations. Every time we don't want to commit to something, we just you know we we use his words. Maybe it'll happen. Maybe it won't. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like, like, when are you gonna clean the garage? Within a space of time. A space of time. Yes, yes. Uh, I like that answer. Weekend could be when, ten years. When is this podcast going to end? Within a space of time. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Or, um, you know, we can't really put on record when this uh, when this uh, podcast is going to end. No, uh, we'll leave it to your imagination. Exactly. <laughs> well. I will end it with one more story, I'll tell you. Not a dead girl story, but uh, a story nonetheless. Um, Gangnam, uh, Gangnam Style uh, singer Psy is returning with new music after a five-year hiatus. He had more than one song? <laughs> and nine albums. This is the ninth album, and it's, uh, it's called Psy Ninth, uh, and it's arriving later this month. Psy uh, so. Ninth. Yeah, it's been, it's been nine. It's been nine years since uh, Gangnam uh, Style came out. By the way, so uh, nine years. Yeah, that was twenty thirteen. You know what? I'm just going to put two and two together here, and I'm just going to say that guy should be a um, an honorary celebrity celebrity character in season two of of uh that crazy ass south korean show what the oh, was the name oh, of it? yeah the one that they, they, they kill each other uh, yeah where they all yeah. kill each other right um okay. oh yeah. god what's it called you know what i'm talking about hunger hunger games no i was going no it? hunger games no. no i was gonna say uh, money heist no that's spanish um oh, it's it's a game. Squid, squid, squid game. Squid game. Squid game. Oh god, we got okay. Good, you got there. And I'm <laughs> saying this because Sai's got the moves, man. Yeah, he's yeah. badass in his own way, and he could take all those guys down. Yeah, he'd be great. I'm just so, saying. Uh, well, there's new music coming, so if you're interested in that, uh, you don't have to wait too long. Is the good news. So, um, also something you don't have to wait too long for again. Our next episode of Concert Pipeline. Um, all right, when's that coming? I don't know exactly, but it'll probably be sometime next week. So <laughs> I will leave it up to my imagination. Um, yes. And uh, there are so many ways that, um, that that you know we could present the next episode. There are many ways. Yeah, but in a space of time. Yes, I believe we'll have an interview with uh, uh, singer, guitarist, songwriter Lance uh, Keltner is who we have next on the program. Also, big news. Uh, Concert Pipeline is covering Bottle Rock Music Festival in Napa, uh, so uh, exciting. And, and along with that, we're already starting to book some interviews around that, including Atlas Genius, which is... Uh, that's exciting, uh, man. 
That's exciting. I like I was genius. I chatted with them once, and uh, yeah. um, it'll be good to catch up with them again. And we're I'm going to be interviewing them um, from their home in Australia. So. Um, 18, 18 and a half hours ahead of us. Uh, yeah, that's crazy. nuts. Look yeah. at you tackling the um, English-speaking foreign countries. I know, right? Yeah. Have so, you done anything up in Canada recently? Not recently. All the Canadian just, rock and rollers. I know. We got to get some some of them on the program, don't we? So, yeah. <laughs> um, well, that is our show for today. Uh, thank you all for tuning in. Great to have you back, Jens. Uh, we're starting a streak of Jens returning on the on the program, so uh, look forward to his his uh, follow up stories next week. Um, and for all of us here at Concert Pipeline, that's Jens Schiphol. That's Steve Jones. We'll catch you next time.